Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be together and to open God's Word together. We're on the path, continuing our journey of looking into the book of Proverbs and what it has to say about us and our destinations. Um, I've told you the story about Sarah and I and our little journeys. We turn right out of our little house and it will take us to Happy Rolf's uh, little uh, animal farm. We go left and it takes us out into the lighthouse. The direction we turn will determine the destination. So when we go walking, if you and and I go walking with Sarah, we will be going probably to one of those two places. The direction I turn will determine my destination. I'm loving the book of Proverbs, and um, as I was preparing for the sermon today, I was thinking about Sarah and I. Uh, We worked in East Africa for about 15 years, and and all the time we would fly over the Sahara Desert. We'd fly over Egypt, over Sudan, and down into Kenya where we worked. And we'd done it many, many times, and I just wanted to see what uh, Egypt was like. You know, we've heard about Egypt and Mary and Joseph going there and, and uh, pyramids and things. So we decided to stop in Cairo. So we were, um, uh, we were going home. So it was Nairobi, Cairo, Amsterdam, Toronto. So we, we booked a flight and I found a, a really inexpensive hotel that I, I soon learned why it was inexpensive. And, um, and we decided to go and see the pyramids. And... We decided the best way to see the pyramids was to take the traditional method, which is riding horses. The pyramids are out in the desert, out in the sand, and um, so we decided that we would uh, take a horse. We would go to the horse rental agency and uh, and rent a horse. Um, And uh, I've never rented a horse before, and so I was looking over the horses to find the right horse. Um, I wanted a horse that looked happy, uh, that looked good-natured, that sort of fit my character. that one would be happy to carry me safely and calmly out into the desert to the pyramids. I figured it was sort of like choosing a car at a car rental agency. You've sort of got a sports car or you've got a minivan, but I couldn't really figure out which horse was which. Um, so Sarah and I, we both chose horses. They were both, uh, they had four legs and uh, they were brown with tails. And that's, um, and that's about where the similarity ended. If you were to boil it down, uh, our two horses, mine would have been called Lightning McQueen, and hers probably would have been called Eeyore. As soon as we got the horses out of the rental agency, uh, we started heading for the pyramids. And as soon as Lightning McQueen, my horse, hit the sand, he just wanted to get to those pyramids. And he was off like there's no tomorrow. He took off, and I'm holding on uh, with the reins. And I'm flying all over the place, and in the blink of an eye, my sunglasses, my expensive prescription sunglasses, flew off my head and into the sand, and it's amazing, they just disappeared, never found my glasses. So I pull on the reins, I, you know, I saw the video, I know how to ride a horse. Um, So I pull on the reins to stop the horse, but it took forever for it to stop, and when it stopped, I looked down, and I think he was smiling. He was, because he knew he had a sucker on his back, and he just got what he wanted. I turned around, and off in the distance was a little speck. It was Sarah on Eeyore, making their way to the pyramids. Well, a slow horse doesn't really walk. It sort of ambles side to side. 
and either the, the saddle was too big or Sarah was too small, because by the time Sarah got to the pyramids, um, she could hardly walk. She had saddle sores. Her legs were, were so sore, like open wound sort of sore. Um, we had two different horses, but in their own way, they were stubborn. They were doing what they wanted. One wouldn't stop, and one wouldn't really start. And in that way, they're not all that unlike us. Um, we are just more subtle in our rebellion. Here's what we do sometimes. We come to a fork in the road and we weigh our options. Then we choose the road that feels best. Sometimes we go fast, sometimes we go slow, but we usually go the direction that feels good, feels best. The path may not be the best path for us. And as soon as we figure out what we want to do, we try to figure out how we can justify doing what we want to do. Um, do you understand that? This is sort of human nature. Sometimes we go fast, sometimes we go slow, but we usually get what we want. You've probably heard the story, the person who has a beautiful iPhone, but the battery is running out, so they decide to, to buy a new phone for $500 rather than paying $60 and getting a new battery. And because it just makes sense to have a new phone. But the question is, does it really ever make sense? Let's be honest. Didn't you just really want a new phone? Didn't you really just want a new phone? Yes, you did want a new phone. More and more these days I hear people saying, how did I end up here? Well, how did I end up on this path? Why did God let me get into this situation? And um, our problems rarely are associated with a lack of information. It's usually something else, something that we don't outgrow. Our problems stem from the fact that we are not on a truth search. That is, we don't wake up in the morning with a burning desire to know what's true and what's right. Rather, we wake up in the morning on a happiness search. We want to feel happy. So why do we find ourselves on the wrong path when if the path we're just trying to be happy? Well, one, our heart is on this happiness quest, not a truth quest. And two, our heart, our heart chooses the happy now rather than the happy later, even though that might get us into trouble. So let's start with um, coffee. Let's start with coffee. What's with coffee? Coffee, I came back to Canada and coffee was a thing. I was away for, for about 15 years and it came back and coffee's a thing. I have a friend. She drinks coffee. She goes to Starbucks. She has a double shot blonde espresso. It costs her $6.04 with tax. She drinks this double shot blonde espresso five days a week. Do you know how much that is a week? That's $30.20. She only drinks it during the week, she says. She cuts back, so it's only five days a week. 52 weeks a year. Do you know how much? So she, she's, she's talking to me with this coffee in her hand. She goes, Rob, I don't know. You know, it's so hard to make ends meet. And I'm looking at her coffee. You know how much that coffee costs her? That's a $1,570.40 cup of coffee. That's how much one cup of coffee every day five days a week, will cost you. That's a $1,500 cup of coffee. Can you believe it? 
So let's be honest. Coffee is not about coffee. It's about how we feel when we drink coffee. Some of you have said to me, Pastor Rob, you don't want to meet me before my first coffee in the morning. And I have met some of you in the morning, and you're right. You're right. (laughs) You know, it's not a nice sight. As smart as we are, and as aware as we are that life is connected and the decisions we make today shape our tomorrow, we still don't wake up in the morning and search for truth. You know what we wake up in the morning and we want? We want a $6 cup of coffee. And, and you get that coffee, it costs $6, and you think, well, I'm worth it. I'm worth $6. 1570 dollars and 40 cents in a year. I'm going to drink water. So we're on this happiness quest, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Fortunately, there are a lot of things that make us happy that are right and wise and good. For example, my Sarah loves to walk. She's not in the sanctuary. She's taking care of babies right now. Thank you for making more babies. She loves to walk. Walking makes her happy. It's good for her health. It's something that she enjoys. So in that case, pursuing something that she likes is good and healthy. But do you know what also makes my Sarah happy? Ice cream. Ice cream makes my Sarah happy. Which makes her happier, walking or ice cream? I think ice cream, (laughs) let's be honest here, I think ice cream makes her happier. So you've got a path towards health. You've got the walking, the, the exercising, you've got the ice cream that sort of goes the other direction. She wants to be happy and healthy, but she's stuck in this decision making. Should I go for a walk or should I have ice cream? How many say ice cream? (laughs) I see those hands. How many say go for a walk? You guys need ice cream. (laughs) I'm not an ice cream eater. Uh, But I can be forced. Seeking happiness, seeking ice cream every day, is not a good thing. Seeking happiness, sometimes we intentionally choose something that takes us away from the kind of person we want to be. Sometimes seeking happiness puts us on the wrong path. Do you understand? Let's pray and we'll we'll look a bit more deeper at it. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your scripture and through your spirit. Speak to us in ways that will help us. Speak to us that we can change And be on the right path. Speak to us clearly, for we are listening. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Four weeks ago, we started this series, and we talked about the unbreakable principle that your direction determines your destination. Two weeks ago, we talked about being prudent, meaning wise and thoughtful. And we said that prudent people switch paths when they see trouble coming. They make course corrections even though it's difficult, it takes courage and strength. 
Uh, the scripture that we read was the prudent, do we have that one? The prudent see danger and take refuge while the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Solomon, when he wrote this 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, understood what life was like then and what life is like now. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 3 today. Uh, Solomon gives a solution to the happiness problem that we're talking about. Uh, in one of the most famous Proverbs of all, Proverbs chapter 3. Some of you who've been in church for most of your life may have memorized this scripture. Um, what you may not have understood up to this point is how it relates to the path. So let's read this scripture again. Haldine read it for us. Let us try to read it together. Proverbs 3, 5 to 12. Together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Beautiful scripture, and I was mentioning this morning there must be ten great sermons just in these few short verses. According to Solomon, God will make your path straight if you do these three things. According to verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and acknowledge him in all your ways. Now, some of you may not have heard this before, so let's look a little bit deeper at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In every area, in every possible path, in everything, trust God. How to get on the right path? To trust God. Trust him that he'll put you on the right path. So, go where he asks you to go, do what he asks you to do, and do it every day. That's how you follow God's direction for you. This is a safe and fulfilling path. Place your confidence in him and trust the Lord with all your heart every day. The challenge is not to lean on your own heart or on your own understanding. How many times has someone said, go with your heart or follow your heart? That's the right thing. What does your heart say? Um, but the problem is this might not be good advice. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So what does that mean? That we can't trust our heart? Yes. Trust in the Lord. Not trusting in your heart. This means that sometimes our heart lies to us. Almost every time we want to do something that feels good, short term, but that we know is wrong, our heart comes up with a reason that we can do that which is wrong. Sometimes your heart lies to you. Has your heart ever lied to you? Have you ever thought, well, this, it feels good. It must be the right thing. But it wasn't. Turn to the person beside you and say, sometimes your heart lies to you. Sometimes your heart lies to you. 
Sometimes your heart lies. So don't trust your, your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God, and he will make your path straight. Solomon continues, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. After telling us to take the straight path by trusting God in everything, Solomon follows up with three action steps to take in order to trust God fully and to acknowledge him in everything. Here are the three steps. First, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think, I need to consult God on most things, but not this one. I'm an expert at this. I don't need God's help. The truth is that every decision, every fork in the road, requires God's assistance. Wherever you are today, it's a new day. It's a new morning, and you need God's help today as much as any day. I think of Tim and Emily. Today is a new day. They added a new member to the family. They need God's help today. And all of us go, yes, they need God's help today. Particularly those who have had children, you go, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Well, you don't need to have a child to need God's help. We have a temptation thinking that we know it all and we're good enough. But this scripture says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Next it says, honor God with your provisions. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. After all, we need to remember that all things come from God. If you want him to direct your path first, let him direct your wallet. For most of us, our wallets are somehow connected to our hearts. We give because we love, unless it's a bill. Then we give because we must. God says, if you want my input, trust me with your output. God says, if you want my input, trust me with your output. It was just a few months ago, the Raptors were in the finals, the NBA finals. Do you remember? Yes, it was, if you were into basketball, it was so exciting. I have some friends, some young friends who love basketball. Here's their story. They said to themselves, the Raptors, it's the finals, it'll never happen again. I have to have a ticket, but I have no money. It's so expensive. Can I afford it? And many of them said, yes, I can afford it. I'll give up coffee so that I can, <laughs> an avocado toast, so that I can go to the Raptors game. And they bought these tickets for hundreds and thousands of dollars. Now they feel poor. They enjoyed the Raptors game but they let their money go to what they loved. Imagine them now. Imagine if they just had a baby yesterday. This isn't them, but just imagine they had a baby yesterday. And their baby needs diapers and formula and blankets and shoes and all the things that moms and dads don't even think of, don't even dream of when it comes to having children. Now the Raptors get into the finals next year. Will they buy tickets next year to the Raptors game? I don't think so. I don't think they can afford it. They can't go to the game. 
They have a family to take care of. They're, they may love the game, but that's what TVs are for. Their love of family, your money goes to that which you love. They can't afford. Suddenly the love for their child will change their priorities. You know, your love for God changes your priorities, doesn't it? You give, you care, you love. Your priorities change when you love something, when you love someone. And God says, do you love me enough to give me your first fruits? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, 21. Which kind of seems backwards. So he says, but really he's saying, if you want my direction for your life, if you want me to guide you, honor me with the first fruits of your crops. The first of everything that you earn, everything that you work for, give me the first fruits. But then what happens once you give him the first fruits? Then your barns will be overflowing. He says, he says share with me your treasure and your heart will be with me also. Lastly, he says, don't blame me for your pain. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline and don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Or at this morning, as a father, the daughter, Jane, he delights in. Sometimes what causes you pain is your own indiscipline. God is disciplining you because of that which you have done. Sometimes God knows that you need correction and he provides like a loving father provides. Did your father and mother discipline you? Were you disciplined? Do you remember a spoon? A kitchen spoon, you know those long spoons? I'm an old man. I remember the spoon. I remember the spoon. I remember the belt. I know we don't do these things anymore and don't do them, but you've got to find a way to discipline your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Because if you don't, then you don't love them. Love requires that we care for them. People say, why did God let this happen to me? Usually they're in too much pain to hear the truth. The truth is, in many cases, God didn't let it happen. God simply couldn't prevent what you were doing. The Lord disciplines those he loves like a father does the child that he delights in. If you love someone in your family, you need to say the hard things. You need to give difficult advice. Are you willing to have a short-term painful experience so that you will have long-term benefits? Sometimes that means speaking the truth in love. I spoke about this two weeks ago, speaking to your family, your friends, loving them enough to help them get on the straight path. As we move now to communion, let's remember the truths of Solomon. Don't be wise in your own eyes. As we come to the table this morning, let's ask God to give us wisdom in every situation in life today. He will answer. Where do you need God's help today? Today is the day to ask. Lord, help me be wise. Next, honor God with your provisions. Give all of yourself to Jesus today. As we come to the table, if you've been holding something back from God today, if there's something you know you've needed to do, today is the day to honor him with your first fruits, with your life, with your everything. Lastly, as we come to the table today, don't blame God for your pain. Let's bring our pain to God. 
Ask him for strength to stand up under the challenges that we have. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and you'll make your path straight. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.